hear the words of our Lord today. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this Tuesday, March the 22nd, as the light of Christ continues to shine on us from Matthew chapter 24. The weather outside is getting warmer, at least up here in the north. I'm looking forward to the season of picking, not necessarily planting, strawberries, apples, raspberries, and rhubarb. And Jesus speaks of a coming harvest by telling of a fig tree. I don't know much about fig trees, but it is what it is. And once the tree becomes tender, which if you know anything about plants and how that works, you know the summer is near. Sounds like good advice for a gardener. Is that the point? Is that what we're doing? Being ready for summer? That's what Jesus is preparing us for? Or is there something greater? We'll find out today to be ready for the master's return. Open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome the Reverend Max Phillips, Senior Pastor of Christ and Zion Lutheran Churches in Bowton in Ogden, Iowa. And get this, keeps going, Executive Director of Lutheran Family Services in Iowa and CEO of Perry Lutheran Homes in Perry, Iowa. Pastor Phillips, happy Lent and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, Brother Brady. It's great to be with you this morning. And um... And we'll look forward to gardening talk, I guess. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I just think about that because people in my congregation love to garden. And and for me, I mean, I love to pick what they grow in that garden, which is kind of my distinction. But Pastor, um, tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the various ministries that you're involved in. Well, I have an interesting uh, mix, a portfolio, I guess, of ministries and a, and a wonderful group of people that uh, surround me to make it all happen. But Christ in Zion Lutheran Churches, and it's uh, Bowden, Iowa, um, and Ogden, Iowa, are two churches that have uh, been there well over a century and, and still stand. Um, the Perry Lutheran Home is a mission of both of those and several others, and it's uh, the senior community that was established back in 1956 to uh, surround elders with care and Christ. Um, and Lutheran Family Service is a 1901 uh, I guess, mercy mission of uh, the Iowa district back when it was one district. And it continues today with uh, mental health counseling and adoption uh, work, adoption or pregnancy counseling, and all kinds of advocacy work around life, God's plan for life, especially in the public square. So that's, that's kind of what keeps me busy. We, my wife and I, Cheryl, have three children and seven grandchildren, five of which are in Texas. And uh, hence, my wife is currently in Texas helping out with the uh, with the newest one as her mom transitions back to work this week. So I'm a, a bachelor and, and interested in uh, whatever food talk we can come up with because I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Well, Pastor Phillips, it's great to have you on with us this morning. And, and by the way, is the rhubarb growing in Iowa yet? You know, I, I, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the asparagus, um, but the ice is out down here, contrary to where you're at, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting close. But, Pastor, you know, in Matthew 24, so vital, and it's so vital for our time, I would say. Um, we kid a little bit, but also it's important because you get a lot of mixed messages in our culture. So it's good for us as we look at Matthew 24 to be able to look at it faithfully. So as, as we do that, can you begin our time in prayer? I certainly can. Gracious Heavenly Father, bless us this day with, in our contemplations with your wisdom. 
Help us, O oh Lord, to understand these things that sometimes go without much understanding. But as we dig deeper, may we continue to see your blessings and grace, even in times of trial and tribulation. All of these things we ask in the name of your Son, our Lord. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call us on this live program, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. So as we're studying Matthew 24, this is our third session on Matthew 24. We intentionally are going slow through this so that we're able to um, ask the right questions, look at it in the proper way, and also interpret it as we look at the world through that lens of Christ. So we begin in verse 32. I'll be reading all of our verses for this morning. Reminder, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version, Matthew 24, beginning in verse 32. Jesus says, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as this branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And when they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant does not expect him and that hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, there, there's some parts here that are okay, and some are quite gruesome, And uh, but all is said by our Lord Jesus. So, Pastor, how do you want to start us off on the right foot this morning? Well, I think it is interesting to try to understand exactly, you know, what is, what is the Lord telling us here, and what does it mean for my daily living? Because it, I think it's, it's somewhat less about some future point and it's more about what am I doing today? So mm. I, I guess that's maybe the place to start. How are we living today? And uh, what does all of this mean for us? So uh, let's, just, let's get down to this question. Let's just go over from the beginning. When is Jesus coming back? Do you have the answer? Um, no, I do not. And uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone does. In fact, I think it's interesting if you, if you study this at all. Uh, there have been lots of folks... It, even in my time, which is, of course, pretty ancient, of um, suggesting that a particular time is coming up. And 
you know, throughout history, there have just been people mostly within the church, some without, that have predicted uh, when it's going to happen. We know, of course, that that date is unknown, but it, it apparently is a fact that uh, is lost to people like uh, Pope Sylvester in, in uh, the year 1000 who thought that was it, or you know, Michael Stoppler, a mathematician who thought in nineteen or 1533, at 8 a.m., no less, that was it. Hmm. And he's John Wesley and the Methodist about 1836, and Joseph Smith and his Mormon followers said 1891. And you got Herbert Armstrong, who some might know, who's actually made four predictions of the end, not the least of which was uh, 1975 coincident of the year of my high school graduation. Or, or maybe it's not coincident, but... <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is there are a lot of folks that might tell you that they know or they can see the signs and read the tea leaves, um, but we don't know. And that's where we're left with the I don't know as we're looking at this. But Jesus, as you said so well, prepares us. Okay, so we don't know. So what does that mean today? He's not He's not giving us – he's really pointing us back to – what does that mean for today? So, Pastor, anything else, uh, themes or thoughts uh, before we start going a few verses at a time? Well, one of the things that I might look at it a little differently than many, because I, I think uh, we read the Scriptures as vital humans and, and um, without much regard for our own uh, end coming up often. And in the care community setting, uh, frankly, I deal with a lot of folks who uh, the end times are a much different um, perspective then perhaps uh, someone that's 30 years old would read it. And uh, they actually find a lot of comfort in it. And uh, so maybe that's something we can bring out as we go along today also. And that's a great point, Pastor. This is a, a, a good perspective for us to be able to see this lens through the comfort that our Lord brings to us today by His Word. So let's dig in a few at a time. Um, we'll do with verses 32 through 35 that, uh, well, I'm hoping it's more than just gardening advice. So 32 through 35. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as this branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So Jesus has a kind of parable here, and what is, what is the main theme of this parabolic saying and what it means for us today? Uh, I think the main theme is be ready. And, um, you know, for the folks that uh, are following the three-year pericope, last Sunday, I believe, uh, we might have talked about the signs that Jesus gives, and he gives more signs here, obviously, Mark 24, the signs, uh, you know, when the cloud forms in the west over the Mediterranean rains coming. So, and you all know that. And then when the wind blows from the south off the desert, it's going to get hot. You all know that and you adjust or prepare accordingly. And here Jesus starts out with this idea of the fig tree. Um, and the fig tree is interesting as I understand it. It's the last tree to put on leaves in spring. So you've got the pines that never drop their needles, the, you know, the almonds that put on leaves early but the fig tree is that one that's the absolute marker post that summer is here. And I think what, what Christ is conveying to us is, you know, be ready today. And here's how we be ready. Obviously, it's not to rely on heaven and earth, temporal things, things that we've done or things that we possess. 
with the word of God. And um, you know, that is something that I think we need to cling to and hold to and, and remember that that is our strength today and, and always. So as we look at this, there's one verse here that I want to see if you heard anything about it. I, I read a few things on it, and it can be a little confusing because verse 34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And the assumption is that he's speaking about, you know, what happens before this, wars and rumors of war, kingdoms begin kingdoms, all of this, the birth pains, um, the hearts of people will grow cold. And it says, okay, all this is going to happen before this generation passes away. But as far as I know, it's 2022, and this happened around 33 <laughs> AD. So how would you explain that to your members or other people, Pastor? Well, I think there's an obvious uh, connection with the destruction of Jerusalem in, what, 70 A.D. That, that is perhaps the most mm-hmm. um, immediate uh, understanding of this. But I do think that, that um, as with much of Scripture, there's an immediate event that has a much greater um, uh, portending. And in this case, you know, we live in these times, each generation, uh, that have all of these signs. And, and frankly, every generation, the Lord could have come back. All of these signs um, were there, rumors of war, war, cold hearts you mentioned at the end, which is an interesting one. Um, you know, this, this idea then of turning to ourselves as opposed to uh, that, that mm. being on fire and for the Lord. So I, I would think that, you know, the reality of this is, is that it's speaking about both uh, the destruction of Jerusalem and the end times today. And that had to have been quite the event. I, I, I've just been thinking about this as you've gone through Matthew, because continuously I feel like Jesus is pointing them to the future, clearly to this destruction of Jerusalem. He speaks about the temple, that this will be destroyed. Um, that had to have been just, because we don't have a real biblical uh, uh, um, aftermath, like you have the Babylonian captivity, you hear the temple falling, and you have kind of the feel, the grief and everything. And it just reminds us of, of the depth of, of grief that's happened throughout history. So he's preparing us for that, but also every generation will have wickedness. And so just remember that, you know, what we are experiencing now has been done before, which is why verse 35, I think is a very important verse for us in this. Heaven and earth will pass away, um, which it show, we see that, you know, uh, I'm reminded of First uh, Peter 1, all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of grass, grass withers, the flower falls. And then Jesus continues verse, but my words will not pass away, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I see a great connection between those passages. Also, Isaiah 40. Pastor, what is, why is verse 35 so important as we look at all of our verses today? Uh, it, it's the one solid thing. Um, the destruction that you referenced, that, you know, I think people have a visual of that if they uh, look at the evening news tonight or whatever news feed they get of all of the destruction going on in, in Ukraine from the shelling and the pounding of buildings and places and, you know, just the, the carnage that that leaves behind of destruction. It reminds me of something I, I saw one time in World War II, not personally, but that during the uh, the pummeling of Warsaw in the main thoroughfare, everything was destroyed except for one shell of a building. It happened to be the, I think it was the British Bible Society. And on the only wall standing was written very clearly this verse. And it just is a, kind of a metaphor for 
the rubble of this world, God's word still stands and against it, nothing's going to prevail against it. So that, that is that sure confidence that you and I have that what God says is true. And what he says about the end times is true. We are his and nothing is going to snatch us out of the father's hand. So I I think that is a comfort in more in obviously ways that uh, inform us, but uh, also ways that motivate us to live uh, according to Christ as our strength. Now, you mentioned at the beginning uh, about the comfort that obviously these words have for those who are near the end of their life, the elders of the faith, the elders uh, of, of the people here. And would this verse, I mean, what would this mean to somebody um, who is in uh, assisted living or in a nursing home or on hospice or whatever it might be? How would this, before we get to the other part, but how would this part be a comfort or what you've seen in ministry? I think at the uh, end, the fervent Christian realizes that the best way to live in the faith is to die in it and um, in those promises of God. And I think that there's an opportunity for them to really, they get past all of the need for vainglory or the need for popularity. Uh, and they understand more clearly that for them, um, maybe they are the fig tree. It's close to the harvest, if you will, for them. And that reality that those promises of God, all yes in Christ, are theirs. And so the end times for them is now. And they're much more uh, tied into that reality, as we all should be, since we don't know when this day will come, and neither do we know when our own end might come, which could be today for both. So it gives great comfort to know that the promises of God are real, they're solid, nothing can assail them. And I, uh, I'll, have, I'll ask this now, and maybe you can uh, rehash it throughout our time, is I know my experience as a pastor, working with those who go into a nursing home who are shut-ins and so forth, that, that they have a perspective of faith that becomes very simplistic, but also very powerful, that when they have something like this, when you're able to read these kind of verses to them, that they have seen their whole world change in, in one way or what whatever it might be. And and when they hear this, it's almost like they're sitting there, you're there to bring them the sacrament, you're there to pray with them. And all of a sudden they're witnessing to me in the simplicity and and the the full, better fullness of understanding of what's gonna happen and 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 comfort and so forth. Do you have any thoughts on that in your in your ministry and how the simplicity of what we're talking about here can be a such a witness to all of us about the faith and the importance of sharing that faith. Yeah. My prayer every day is uh, that these elders um, are missionaries and, and not, not some, I mean, I hope that they are missionaries to their fellow elders who, or in folks that suffer infirmity that are around them. But at Perry Lutheran homes, for example, we have 225 employees, mostly young, um, and I think they're a microcosm of the world. They're unchurched, a lot of them, um, many of them unfaith, or if they are faith, wrong faith. And this idea of the elders being really God's spokespeople and God's living examples of, of the peace of God, which that's a person, by the way, God's peace is Christ. And so having that confident faith and witnessing of that just by how they live, how they handle um, dilemma, how they get past worry and um, how they really love these young people and pray for them and and you know invite them to visit and help 
that's my prayer every day, that they really use those, that Christ faith that they have to impact others, not necessarily elder, but youngers, including their grandkids and great grandkids to the extent they get to see them. Mm, amen. So that, that's a good reminder for you, our listeners, is to pray for the witness of the elders of the faith, because there is a, um, boy, great opportunity there, but not only to their family, which is usually what I think about, but as Pastor said, to the people who work at these nursing homes and how important that would have been this time of uh, the last few years as they've been secluded, yeah. even from their families. Um, I, never, I hadn't thought about that. Thank you for that insight. Let's get back to verse our, 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 our verses here, and we're moving on to verse 36. And the title above it in the English Standard Version just says, No one knows that day and hour, which for us Americans, that's not cool. We want to know things. But Jesus is teaching us that, guess what? That's not on our realm. That's on the Father's realm, verse 36 to 39. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus tells us about that day, and what does he tell us about it? He's going to sweep folks away, I guess. You know, I think it's going to be a normal day. I think that, um, you know, it certainly won't be uh, surprising, although it will be ignored. And the fact is that not ignored in terms of people won't know it's happening, but all of the signs leading up to it will have been ignored. Just like, and so he points out very vividly that, you know, the folks in Noah's time had unmistakable signs that, God's judgment was coming. I mean, to build this big of a boat, this size of a boat, in a really unique way, without rudder or steering or propulsion, far away from any kind of water that could float this thing, you're confronted every day when you see this monstrosity with something. Um, <laughs> either Noah's uh, eccentricity or Noah's faithfulness. And, and then that's where you have to make this judgment about you know, what, what is God? What's my role with God? What's his role with me? And I think those folks obviously um, didn't, didn't interpret the signs and really, frankly, didn't know the Lord. And so he makes it, I mean, it is an interesting connection that, first of all, he brings Noah into the fold. And I, Noah's one of those stories that I kind of wish I knew more about, but then I don't wish I know more. You know, because when you actually think about the complexity and the atrocities that happened because of this flood, I don't want to know more. But I, one part I do want to know more about is he's building this monstrosity. What were his family and what were his friends and what were the community members saying about him? That's one part that I would love to know, but God doesn't give us that. So such is life. Um, but we do know what happens. One thing that's interesting about this, so we know that we don't know the time. It's going to be like Noah's flood, the flood and Noah. But what's interesting here is a little confusion that can happen about God, the triune God, and the relationship of knowing stuff as the triune God. So, okay, the angels don't know when that time is. Neither does the sun. 
I've had members come to me and say, what's up with that? I thought the triune God was one and they basically would know everything um, as a team, if you were. But here he's saying the son doesn't even know. How do you how do we reconcile that with our understanding of the triune God? Well, I think that this is Jesus speaking in his, his humanity, and uh, he chooses not to know. And I believe that, you know, he's content with that. It's an interesting, um, uh, I guess, perspective for us. Christ is fully God, fully human, and in his fully human state, he's content uh, to let God know things or to show things that he chooses to show, God the Father. Sometimes we're not that content, and uh, we're not even content with the answer that Jesus doesn't want to know. Um, you know, we want to know. I, I think that um, it, it's, it's always interesting for us to see the obedience of Jesus and how he follows his Father's will to the letter, uh, dots every I, crosses every T, and he's going to do that all the way to the cross. It's a temptation for us to, to try to figure out why doesn't he know how do I know? And should I know? And gosh, I probably should because I'm me. You know, those kind of uh, thoughts that go through our head. <laughs> I should know this. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, well, in Minnesota, you probably should. But the reality, back to Noah for a moment, you know, we often think of the world as being so atrocious, so out of control morally and, and any other way you can think of. But I'm guessing there was a component of people that were pretty normal like you and me, uh, without faith, people that trusted in themselves, people, when every thought of theirs is evil, it, it's not necessarily that they're out killing everybody. It's they've turned away from God. So in a way, I think there's some relationship to today in the times that we have and the times ahead in those folks that, frankly, are complicit in, I guess, a gentle demise. They, they're content to live their lives without God and without Christ. And um, it seems normal to them to do so. I think there's, that's something that we need to be aware of in our mission zeal. A lot of folks out there are uh, living in the end times without the right uh, opportunity for faith, not, not opportunity, but without, without knowing Christ. And that's our job. How do we get out there and how do we witness of this so that they do get out of their normalcy of sin? It is interesting, verse 38, we can easily interpret this, and I think I always have, for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. Now, usually, I I would have interpreted that as being just a complete debauchery, like they're just having a big feast, they're drinking way too much, they're partying like at a wedding, given in marriage, but we also can interpret it, and this is kind of how I'm seeing it as you're speaking, that it's like they were kind of just normal folks. I mean, these were not ones who were stealing and doing all these crazy things or living in debauchery. They were normal folks like you and I, but without faith. And that's something that we see in our own world that we have to remember as well. And I want to talk a little bit more about that, but right now we need to take our break. We are studying Matthew 24 with Pastor Max Phillips, and we will be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. We are studying Matthew chapter 24 with Pastor Max Phillips of Christ and Zion Lutheran Churches in not Bowton, but Bowton and Ogden, Iowa. Did I get that right this time? You, you did well. Thank you. <laughs> the, the very good. The Bowton are, are very appreciative of your... Oh, your I'm sure they're all excited about it. You know, one, one thing that's interesting, <laughs> this is a complete side note, but it's amazing yeah. to me. You go to Wisconsin and you got like Oconomowoc, you got McQuanago, you got Fond du Lac, you got all these. In Minnesota, we kind of just do a very simplistic way. And then you go to South Dakota and they kind of like... They change the words just to kind of spite the Minnesotans. Uh, do Iowa do the same thing? Like, they're just like, we don't want to say it your way at all, but we'll just change it. And any, any thoughts on that? What is Iowa? What do they do yeah, with their words? We're more international. Um, so um, Madrid, Madrid Spain is in, obviously in Spain. Madrid, Iowa is right down the road from me. So you can, it is just a matter of, of uh, general wisdom and superior intellect. That there it is. Now, correctly. now we know. Now we know. It's in Iowa. It's all right there. So, so right. Pastor, we, you know, there's a, um, there's a missionary zeal in this, but I, I find it, the way you brought it up is almost a different kind of missionary zeal than we typically have. What I typically have when we start talking about the end times, they're like, the time is near, stop all your debauchery and believe, repent and believe in Christ. And what you're saying is the same same call, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. But to, to, the, the missionary zeal is everywhere because it's not just the people who are doing outright sin, but it's those who simply don't believe in Christ, but actually live kind of a normal life. Any thoughts on that for our listeners and for all of us as Christians about being a missionary in the realm of all of this? You know, I, I think that uh, we all are uh, called to be missionaries, and, and it's one of those things that we often compartmentalize as something somebody else does or something that somebody does somewhere else. So, you know, it would never happen in Iowa and Minnesota, you know, the Lutheran territory, for example. Maybe it's somewhere over in the sub-Saharan continent somewhere. But the reality is Christ has placed you where you are, and he's using you as, an, as uh, I guess, an example of the power of faith in Christ Jesus. And the way that you live, the way that you handle things, the way that you uh, make mistakes and ask for forgiveness and give it, uh, all of those things are important, uh, I guess, messages from our Lord about living differently, uh, living in that, you know, righteousness of Christ, and how that affects and informs um, going to work, Eating lunch with coworkers, uh, you know, going to the to the basketball game, all of those things is part of our missionary zeal. And there's opportunities in all of those things, especially when we think about relationship. You know, the 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 strong part of our faith is our relationship with Christ, not our knowledge of Him, our relationship. And the strong part of our Christian witness is our relationship with the neighbor, 
in a way in which we can love them um, the way that Jesus does. And so as you look at the next number of verses, it brings me back to a very popular book series called the Left Behind series. Very popular in, in the 90s into the 2000s. We learned a lot about it during our seminary days. And it very much so is related to this text. And of course, other parts of scripture will address it as well. And so the question we always have is, where are our eyes centered? And it does keep that very clear today. And I don't want to get lost too much in the weeds because we can talk a lot about this. What does it mean being left and being taken? But once again, keeping it in context and seeing, uh, let the Holy Spirit lead us. So verse 40, and we'll go through verse 44. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Pastor, we can get lost in a lot of weeds in here, left behind, taken away, um, grinding in the field, whatever it might be. What is Jesus really focusing our attention on in these verses? I think he's, he's really focusing us on today and uh, living ready um, for that coming again of our Lord Christ. And, you know, it's I think one of those things people make a lot of, gee, one woman is left, one's taken. Some of our evangelical friends, you know, would suggest that there's a, a rapture, however they understand millennialism. But the reality is then say which, which one is taken and which one is left. I think what's really the point here is, is that the person living in faith, trusting in God and all of his promises in Christ has a future. And that future is bright. And the ones that are left are left to another future, which is not bright. And uh, that's what I think it's calling us to, to be ready, no matter what our task is today. And back to that missionary idea, maybe understand that today there is somebody grinding next to you, or there's somebody working in the field next to you that we've got a little time for, maybe, that we ought to talk to and uh, help them understand the value of that salvation that's available for them, faith in Christ. And this is really kind of, this really brings out a common theme that we have throughout the book of Matthew that Dr. Gibbs laid out for us, is that understanding of that Christ's reign has come, that, you know, the, the, the kingdom is here now, meaning that, that God has given us today in his grace, and he also has brought other people to us. Um, that that has come, it is here now, that Christ is still reigning despite what the world might look like. He's reigning in a way that he has brought us to this place at this time and for us to serve those who have brought before us. So for Pastor, uh, as you speak about the different ministries that you are part of, or like you said, you have a lot of great people working with you um, with family services and with uh, the Perry homes and the number of churches that you work with. Um, why is it important for us to remember 
the today um, is the day that the Lord has called us uh, as his own and and to serve in his kingdom. I mean, this is you see this in a bunch of different realms that kind of unpack that for us, why this is a great message to be able to proclaim to, to people. Because I think people need something back to that idea of something solid. Uh, it seems like in this world, uh, it so much changes so quickly. I mean, almost overnight, we went from a world that had its own rules about engagement. And then with COVID, it was different rules. And frankly, in the uh, elder care world, those rules changed about every 30 days. Uh, just chaotic. No one knew what was happening, let alone what the policy was, let alone who was in charge of what policy. The solid nature of things is what people need. And the solid part of this message is not, gee, figure out when Christ is coming again. It is that he is coming again. And when did the end times really begin? It's not some future event that we're looking at saying, gee, is it now or is it, you know, something else? The end times started on the cross and Christ pronounces it with his last words. It is finished. The work of salvation is done. And the end times really began then. It's all now just a matter of whatever God's time is. Um, but there is nothing more that we need to do or fear. We have Christ and him crucified. And all of that concern is finished. This reminds me, this is something I'm thinking about, too, is in Hebrews, you know, chapter one, I usually will read this. We have a, a, a litany right before I, I have a sermon is that those words that says, uh, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So, Pastor, how would you respond to someone that says, you know, they see the war going on in Ukraine. They see the destruction. They see things that were not at least um, known maybe when they were growing up. And this can be an anxious thing, I'm guessing, for people in, in, a, in a, a, a nursing home. Um, they say, Pastor, are we in the end times? And you already said it, but I just want to just want to ask it in a different way. They come to you and say, Pastor, are we in the end times? How would you pastorally and, and uh, point them in the right direction as, you, as they ask that question? Um, the answer is yes, we are. <laughs> and and we have been in the end times for, um, you know, two millennia. So these folks in the nursing home are interesting, especially if they're octogenarians or older. They've seen this kind of stuff before. Um, in many cases, they, you know, can remember World War II. Uh, they can remember uh, the Vietnam War. Um, they can remember depressions, great depressions. They can remember... Um, some of them, their parents would have talked about uh, um, diseases, and many of them lived through polio pandemics. So, you know, all of these things that we're seeing now that we think, gee, this must be the end, um, other people have seen those things in their generation. And the message, I don't think, is this great crescendo. Boy, it's even worse now than it was back then. It's right. still that point of being ready. And the good news is, in Christ, we are ready. You know, we don't have to get uh, 5,000 MRE meals. I mean, you can do that if you want to, I guess. But the reality is our salvation is sure. And chaos and turmoil and death can't affect it. Cling to that. And that's back to the, you know, the verse 35. God's words are not passing away, and they are true. And that, that is our strength. 
So let me let me ask you this too. The verse forty four, and you alluded to it. I want to see. I want to have you unpack this. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man coming at an hour you do not expect. There's various ways that people might try to be ready. I remember when we were living in St. Louis, it was 2003 at the time, and there was a couple that moved out of their house, and and our, our neighbor bought it, and they said, hey, check out this house. So we're walking through the house, you know, and this older couple had stored away more water than you could have drunk in a year in two liter <laughs> bottles in the basement. And I was like, what was that? And they said, yeah, you know, they were ready for the end. They were getting ready for the end when there was going to be deep and dark destruction. And I was like, well, that's strange. But that was pretty popular around Y2K. He says, be ready. Um, what does he mean? And how do you would you encourage our listeners and other people to be ready as Christian people when Christ returns? I think it's uh, living faithfully and, and um, really inculcating the promises of God in your, um, not only in your body, but in your living and, and how you relate to other people. You know, for I thought today, in fact, I do a, a daily prayer and a devotion, but one of the things that um, focused on is, I wonder how much prayer is going on for our enemies. And it's interesting, you know, we're called to do that, but that's not something I want to do. Uh, I'm not sure if I do it, my heart's in it. And yet, that's this whole Christian nature that God turns the world on its head and suggests live differently. Um, and you know, one of the ways we live differently is living ready for Christ to come again, not living necessarily only ready for social security or retirement or, or Y2K or whatever the next one is, Y2M, something like that. Um, the challenge is, is living in faith uh, and celebrating the fact that we are the saints of God. Not because we're so good, but because our God is so good and he has made us holy. That means we're ready when we trust in that, when we rely on our baptisms, when we think on our God. Um, you know, we have a different perspective on how we go about today's business. Grinding or milling or um, walleye fishing. Although walleye fishing sounds pretty good. It, it does sound it does sound good, and you are you are repeating, and we're doing this a lot in this program, repeating a lot of words that come prior by Jesus. Ironically, um, one of them is is this understanding of love your enemies, like you said, that there's a way of us living, knowing that it is Christ has said it is finished, beginning of the end times, uh, speaking to us through His Son. But it says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Just a great example of how that we, as ones who know that Christ is the one that makes us ready, um, that we, therefore, live differently. And that's just a reminder for you, our listeners, as we went through the Sermon on the Mount, very blessed by the numerous pastors who helped us with that. A good reminder as we look at 24 um, and the coming judgment is to go back to Matthew 5 through 7, to understand 5 and 6 and 7, to remind us of how we are to live knowing that our salvation is set and knowing that we are indeed ready on account of what Jesus has done for us. Now, Pastor, we get to the last number of verses. We have about 10 minutes left in our time. Anything anything else you want to share um, that leads us up to verse 45? Um, maybe it's the perspective as we go through this from here. I've, I've always looked at this, and you know, Jesus gives basically three parables here. We've had one. We're going to have a couple more. But 
One is that idea that the end times is, is unexpected. The other is, is that it's expected, you know, um, sooner or it comes sooner than expected. And the last one is comes later than expected. So there's this whole idea of how readiness contrasts with, um, with what God's plan is in our lives. So let's read the rest of our verses and, and dig in. Verses 45 through 51. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Pastor, there's a few words in here that kind of, kind of like, oh, what is that? Cutting up in pieces, um, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit is if you leave the kids at home and you don't give them the timeline, then they kind of just run rampant. You know, I have four children. I know how that might go. If you don't say you're coming home at 10, they're going to go crazy and uh, until the last minute. But here, I think there's more to it than that. What is he telling us in these verses? I think he's telling us to um, make that faithful living our new normal and that, you know, our job is not to worry necessarily about when the last day might be, you know, in all of, I, I think the discussion in scriptures about the Atkinson, it, it, it's, it's not informational. I, I don't really think that it is. I think it's motivational live differently uh, and live in your faith as opposed to look for something to come. And then, you know, somehow you'll be able to prepare better if you know that it's a week from Friday or, or something like that. I don't think God tells us anything about the date or lets us assume anything about the date other than it could be today. It could be today. And I think that really is the important part of this. So do your duties, live in your vocations, do it as a faithful servant because God is coming at an hour we don't expect. And he makes that very clear. The end times, or the end is coming at the time we don't expect. And there will be no time to repair our wickedness um, at that point. Back to Noah and his ark. You know, I, I think God's, um, God's putting the sign in front of these people up until he shuts the door in the ark. And then it's too late. Um, when Christ comes again, it will be one of these wonderful events that nobody will miss. Um, and I, I just think about how much of it is audio related, um, you know, the trumpet call of God, the, the voice of the archangel, all of these things that it's just going to be done and over. And then this blessed eternity uh, for those that have been faithful in all the normal, if you will, or making the normal, they're faithful with Christ, of course, at the middle of all of it. You know, does that make sense to you? It, absolutely, absolutely. It, it it does remind me of the table of duties in the small catechism that just gives very simplistic realities of where God has placed you as a husband, as a wife, as a parent. It doesn't go ab- through absolutely every detail. And that's, you know, that's I think that's a good thing for us to remember, too, that that the Lord gives us what we need and and then he prepares us. 
as you as you said about those in the nursing home, for a faithful death. He prepares us for all of this, that Christ may come today. But today, I focus my heart and mind on Christ and his gifts. And the very end of the table of duties, I think Ray summarizes what you're saying, is it says, to everyone. This is on uh, uh, in the small catechism. Uh, mm-hmm. The commandments are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the second part is that re- I urge you from 1 Timothy chapter 2, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. That that this is a, the, the small way that maybe should be like a, a mission statement or whatever it might be, that we don't know when Christ is returning, but it could be today. So what we do today, love your neighbor and pray. Love your neighbor and pray while we do our work and grinding in the field, as you said so beautifully. And as we look at everything in life, if we had, if he told us it's going to be next week, our lives would look in a certain way. But he doesn't give us that so that we will do the simple things in his name. So, Pastor, uh, well, there's quite a bit here that we could dig into. What Anything else you got in these verses? You know, I think if you look at the first century church, you have this uh, wonderful example of two ways to, I think, take Jesus here. You know, there were some in the church that were so convinced that today was the day or tomorrow Christ was coming again. They quit working. They just waited. Uh, and in fact, in my lifetime, I, I can't remember what comet it was, a Kahootak, something like that. A number of people in religious sects decided this is it. So they sold all their stuff and they just went somewhere and sat around and waited. Um, you know, Paul admonishes us, you know, get to work. Um, you know, get do your thing. And don't just sit there and wait for, uh, you, you know, the end. So I think it is this whole idea, live your life, Christian. Um, live it in the Lord. These things are signs, uh, but, they're, but they're not pointing you to anything you don't know. They're pointing you to the assurance of things you know. And that assurance is, is that Christ is returning. You are his dear child and you are going to be with him forever. That's what you need to know, whether you're parenting or working or beaching or whatever you do. Um, Live ready by just living Christ and living in him for others. That's That's what we need to do today. It's our normal as we wait for whenever God is ready for the end. We're ready today. So as we look at everything here, um, in our verses, it is it is it is it is interesting to be able to connect this with other parts. So, for example, in verses fifty-one, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and mm-hmm. I don't want to deny that because we we we'll get to the point where we kind of say, okay, live for today and all this, and and then, and then the missionary zeal kind of gets lost because ah, you know, it's something we can do later. But also, we don't want to make it sound like salvation belongs on me, it belongs on Christ. But there is a reality, like you said, once Noah shut that door with him and his family in there, there was no turning back. And so what's your encouragement to our listeners as we, that, that that truth is there, that we don't want to deny this truth. Encouragement to your listeners, especially as you look at many different realms, the local parish, family services, uplifting life through all, you know, from counseling to um, adoption to life advocacy to nursing homes. You kind of get the whole broad spectrum here, Pastor. Um, what would be encouragement basically for all realms when the reality of if someone does not believe in Christ, that door will shut one day and what that means for basically all realms and for our listeners? 
I think it means um, that God calls on us to take action. And I think the devil calls on us to hope somebody else does it. Um, mm. You know, I talk to a lot of uh, my folks, whether they're in the care community or in my congregations. Uh, and, you know, one of the chief burdens on their heart is that their children or their grandchildren um, don't know the Lord, or at least don't know him uh, in the way that scripture teaches. And, they're hopeful that somebody will do something. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I dread it when they say it to me, pastor, could you talk to somebody? And and the reality Mm. is, you know, I can go and talk to them until I'm blue in the face and often might be um, to try to convince them about Christ. But it, but really the primary missionary and the relationship opportunity is that mom or dad, grandpa or grandma or great grandpa or grandma kind of uh, connection. And, And so I would say um, the real temptation for us is to know that somebody's lost or suspect that they might be and really hope that somebody's going to do something about it. And, and I think anytime you have that kind of a thought, it's probably the Lord directing your heart to say, you know what, I'm sending you. And how do you begin to, um, you know, to build that relationship, to show your faithfulness and the power of Christ in your life, even and especially as you face death? I got to tell you, some of the most powerful things I've ever seen in witnessing to a family is in those final hours um, where mom or dad are comforted by Scripture, by Holy Communion, if they can receive it, by um, spiritual songs and hymns, all of those things that provide the strength of what they already know, that they're Christ's. And this is just a passage, a portal. That's what I was so saying. That, yeah, there's more, how do you say it, that in those moments, you pray that the Lord will, con- will continue to uh, um, uh, open, open the hearts and minds of people. And, and, and this, I think this really comes in line with what we've been talking about the whole time. And Pastor, I wanted to ask this. We have about two minutes left in our time. You mentioned how these words today can be comforting for those who are I want to say uh, the fig tree, you know, the, the branches are getting ready for the summer, if you will. How are these wor- words a comfort to those who are older and maybe near to their time with the Lord? Well, one way they're a comfort that we haven't really talked about is that um, they know that at their funeral, uh, we're going to preach Christ and him crucified mm-hmm. and salvation for believers and we're going to talk about the faith that mom lived in and died in and that she's sleeping. And so I think that there's this significant prayer among the elderly, at least that their funerals be different uh, on Friday. Um, last or last Friday, I buried one of my great church members and one of her significant contributions to her funeral was um, she gave me all kinds of notes, all kinds of lessons, all kinds of hymns she wanted. And then she said, I'd like to hear my funeral sermon before I go. Um, and I thought about it. Wow, what a, what a great testimony that wow. she wants to hear these words of comfort and strength that I'm going to offer to everybody else out there. And then what a comfort it was and strength to be able to tell everybody else out there that Karen heard these words too. Um, so, so I think it's just a powerful thing when we think about what's going to happen at our funeral and how we're going to be able to use that as a, an opportunity or how the Holy Spirit is going to use that to really open the hearts and minds of people at a critical time when you're facing your own mortality. And that, frankly, is, is one of the best mission opportunities we have, I think. 
Well, there it is. Now I have to chew on that. For you, our listeners, consider this. Ask your pastor, can you preach what you will preach at my funeral to me before I am gone? Something to think about. But, Pastor, our time is up. So, Pastor Max Phillips of Christ and Zion Lutheran Church, Lutheran Family Service, and Perry Lutheran Homes from the great state of Iowa, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 24. Pastor Phillips, thank you for bringing us his gifts. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Be ready, as Jesus tells us, but knowing being ready, you are ready in the Lord. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm.